Good morning, everybody. This is the Soapbox on freshair.org.uk. Uh, waking you up first thing this morning because it's a student breakfast show, so it's at 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> the laughs you can hear are from our star-studded panel opposite me. Uh, I can't actually see him for the computer screen, but opposite me is uh, Lothian's MSP for the Green Party, Robin Harper. Robin, good morning. Good morning, Callum. It's a pleasure to have such a, a, a legend of, of, of Edinburgh politics in my studio this morning. It's absolutely excellent. And to his left, we have a very, very special man. Um, a man just off a, a stunning victory, which I'm sure we'll come to later. Um, USA President-elect Matthew McPherson. Hi, Cam. How are you doing? That's great. It's great to have you here. It's, it's great to have such a star-studded panel. I think it's probably one of the best we've had. Um, Alex Paul will be joining us when he uh, gets out of his bed. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can, I can do Alex Paul and do the other microphone. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Hello, Callum. Tomorrow? <laughs> exactly. Hello, Callum. <laughs> so that's what Alex will sound like when he gets here. Um, but we're going to get started with that. So I thought we would start with Prince Andrew, if that's okay. Yeah. If everyone's, everyone's happy to dive right in there. Why not? Um, obviously, Prince Andrew has been embroiled in a bit of a, a row this week after it, found it came out that some of his... Uh, people he was he was uh, associating with were not particularly ethical robin um i i think he's been very badly advised uh, if he's been advised at all um <clears throat> there is absolutely no doubt that uh somebody who has a, a post where he's not responsible to anybody else um he can't be called to account before a committee um that someone who's not responsible to anybody else has a has, has to take on the full responsibility for his actions. Mm -hmm. And uh, he must have known, if he, di if he didn't know, if, there was no, if, the, you know if, if he had absolutely no worries about keeping up these friendships and keeping up these, uh, the, 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 these, these connections, then I don't think he should be doing the job. Um, I'll, I'll hand over it. Ma yeah, Matthew, Matthew, what do you think of... Uh Prince Andrew's indiscretions. Well, I kind of take a, a slightly different approach. I think you're right, you know, like, it's kind of this this uh, odd dynamic, isn't it, really, where we kind of have someone who's doing quite a lot of stuff and no one really kind of overlooking or having any control over mm. what he's actually doing. And I think that's kind of the case for all the royals, not just Prince Andrew. But I think um, I'd kind of slightly take a slightly different approach, which is that I think when you're someone like him, you're going to be dealing with a huge amount of people. We're not really sure how personal relationships actually are. These things can kind of be hyped up by the media. You know, it could have been a guy who went to school with back in, like, 1958 or something like that mm. who's now doing dodgy stuff. Um, so, I mean, I kind of I, I kind of leave it to, to him and, and, and obviously his capacity as, as a, a trade envoy for, for the Prime Minister and George Osborne. I think it's, it's their responsibility and it's their decision. And I think that we do need to make sure that the... Well, it's difficult because we do need to make sure that the politics of our of our royals are kind of separate mm. things. But unfortunately, when you put someone in a position like this, well, you can't so expect that, them to remain yeah, separate. You know, <clears throat> I, I think the problem is that nobody nobody has criticised him for the job he's doing. I mean, it, it, it's he's worked remarkably hard, as in fact all the royals do, um, and he he has to be given all credit for that. And he probably has brought in millions and millions of pounds to the to the to the British economy, um, and he should be. Congratulated for that, but nevertheless, in the position that he holds, and these are relatively recent connections. In fact, yeah. they're fairly recent connections. So uh, he did need to be, and does need to be careful. Um, <clears throat> th there's there's part of me that says that I hope he survives this and carries on doing the job that he's doing. But I I, I think um, to, to use a uh, a, a well-known phrase, he should tack tent um, of the criticism that um, has accrued around him at the moment um, and make very, very sure in the future 
that um, uh, that this doesn't happen again because it's it's extremely important um, both for Britain and for the royal family themselves I think that um, when people are in responsible positions like this they are very very careful about uh, the people that um, uh, that uh, yeah. they make friendships with. Yeah. I, th I think the most <coughs> the most interesting bit was the different was the different comments of the of the party spokespeople because um, obviously David, obviously David Cameron and George Osborne defender, but um, Ed Miliband came out and said that he'd seen him do an, an effective job yeah. when mm -hmm. uh, when he'd been yeah. in government. And actually, it was Vince Cable who said that uh, he said the prince would have to judge his own position, although there would be conversations about his future role. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? That is, it's perhaps being called into question. That you should be given so much freedom? Do you think that we should maybe be keeping a wee bit of a closer eye on him? Does does anyone agree with that point of view? Or well, I think I think from that point, I think what we're seeing is going quite a dangerous path, which is the party politicisation of people like Prince Andrew. And I think that that's actually something we've really got to be quite careful of. But again, as I said before, that is one of the costs of getting people like him to do this kind of job. And you know, so yeah, I think he will have to answer to the opposition leader Ed Miliband. He will have to answer to Vince Cable, whatever he is at the moment. And you know, well, he will have to answer to uh, to the Prime Minister and the Chancellor. And that's and that's very difficult. And they, and they've got political uh, capital to be gained on on all of their responses. So I mean, at the moment, we're in quite a safe position. You know, everyone's kind of said, you know, we recognise the important work he's done, and you know, he needs to think again and work work t for the future. Um, but it's just, was, just the usual was, uh, stuff, really. That was ten oh seven. The first. Lib Dem bashing of the show. There uh, we go. Which tends <laughs> First of many, I hope. Um, <laughs> it, it, it does tend to happen when I uh, invite non-Lib Dem people on the show. Um, That's because you're the only Lib Dem oh. in Edinburgh Uni, so I'm not the I only do feel kind of oh. sorry for you sometimes. Alex Paul has <laughs> so I'll give you a hug. <laughs> Alex I, Paul has just phoned me, so I reckon he might be outside. Matt do you want me to go and let him in? Get up uh, and see if he's at least I found something to do around here. I, I, I think um, for, for our last word uh, on this while Matthew's getting... Uh, is, is is that um, if you there. appoint somebody to a job on a certain recognizance, which is you know that you're doing this voluntarily and, and really we thank you very much for all the work that you're going to be doing for us, um, then uh, I think it's fair to for uh, the, the prince to consider that he is doing his the, the best job he can and that he's free to behave at least slightly differently uh, to other people, not necessarily in the respect that he has behaved differently here, um, but, uh, but that's certainly not in a political sense. It's not a political appointment. And, and, and this is where we shouldn't be applying, if you like, political standards to considerations about whether he continues or not, because mm. um, if, if this was politics, yes, he would have. I think he would have been asked to resign on the spot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not politics. It's somebody doing a really, really good job in a voluntary capacity, um, who uh, clearly feels that um, his friendships are his own business. Um, and I think that that, but that does have to be a conversation about that with the prince yeah. in private. There have been some, some other comments on the story. Uh, ben Bradshaw was quite critical of, uh, of yeah. the Prince and quite, quite critical of the way Number 10 had handled the situation. Um, number 10 anonymously briefing. Uh, I, don't, I don't actually think that's um, really a problem, but uh, you know, that's Ben Bradshaw thinks that's a problem. That's, that's up to him. Um, but the, the other one was um, Labour MP and Foreign Affairs Select Committee Mike Gapes said that the Prince could, should quit and actually uh, quoted Andy Coulson 
and said, uh, once you become the story, it's time to go. And here he is. Alex Paul is here, but he's not allowed to speak into the microphone until the next song, so I can actually check his levels before we put him on air, because he might deafen you all. So Sorry, uh, I referred to you, Alex, as Les Paul, but that's because we were discussing guitars. We, we were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have started. one, just started. FYI, anyone listening. <laughs> I uh, Alex, go shut the door, do something useful. Um, yeah, so you can now say that I'm not the only Liberal Democrat in Edinburgh. Okay, so I, I think that's... Uh, is there any more we need to say on this? I mean, Mike, Mike Gape saying that once you've become the story, it's time to go? Do, do we agree with that? Or obviously not, because I mean, of the discussion we've just had. But Yeah. So we, th we think that Prince Andrew's perfectly secure in this position and uh, should be left to get on with it. Yeah. Fair he enough. Seems, yeah, seems to be a good guy. He's done good things. Okay, well, that's, that is the opinion of our expert panel. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to a song and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about... Something else, and I'm going to decide while the music's playing. This is REM with Imitation of Life. That was REM with Imitation of Life, and uh, Alex Paul has now joined us. Good morning, Alex. Hi, Callum. It's good to have you here, eventually. Thanks. Um, stop that. Uh, stupid computer. Okay. Um, a couple of housekeeping arrangements as well. Um, I'm very sorry that uh, the podcast of last week's show hasn't been up. Unfortunately, the recording <laughs> file corrupt corrupted irreversibly, and uh, last week's wonderful debate with Sarah Boyack and Alex Go Hamilton will unfortunately not be available. But to make up for that, I did this morning on my way here, my, not on my way here, but before I was about to leave, managed to find the uh, the file of the show that, that Alex and I did with Andrew Burney and James Rickey. It just sort of appeared on my computer, um, which is very interesting because it's an in-depth analysis of the run-up to the USA elections. Oh, great. That'd be useful. So, um, yeah, Matt can go back over that, see how, right. see how did, good, it, see, what it, see about his image problem. I think we did. I we, think didn't we run out of time? We got halfway through. No, we, through. Did, we did President and we did VPA. Oh, right, okay. We didn't get to do the other two. We never got to do that next show because I had an, an MSP here. Mm. So that will be up uh, this evening, hopefully, as will the podcast for this show. So, um, yeah, we're going to move on to my favourite story of the week, <laughs> which was uh, that the Lib Dems want heroin given out free in the NHS. The story that you created. The story that I created. Well, yeah, okay, I pretty much created this story. Um <laughs> The Liberal Democrats had their spring conference in Perth this weekend. At the conference, we passed a motion uh, calling for a review into sentencing for drug possession to perhaps take the onus off fines and prison sentences and move towards more community service orders, uh, drug, tr drug treatment and testing orders, and included specialist diamorphine treatment as, a, as an alternative where things like methadone don't work in stabilising people and, and uh, decriminalising the supply. So... The Sunday Express, of course, reported this as Lib Dems want heroin given out free in the NHS. Fair enough. Now, uh, <laughs> there was a quote from every party in this Sunday Express article except the Green Party. So, Robin, where does the Green Party stand on this issue? Well, I better weigh on this straight away. This is the same kind of press distortion that we used to suffer at almost every election about our policy on cannabis, which was to decriminalise it, and still is to decriminalise it. It's always represented by the press as making it legal. And there's a huge difference between uh, the, the, those two approaches. Mm. Um, it's just that we do not think that it's, that it's profitable to sling um, kids of uh, 17, 18 in jail for smoking a couple of, uh, of, of um, joints. Um, the similar thing has happened to the Liberals over uh, over this. Absolutely. Um, uh, we we give we we give. It's a 
treatment, diamorphine or morphine, um, uh, is, is a heroin derivative. Um, it is heroin by any other name, and we use it very, very successfully uh, to, to, to treat ad addicts and the professionals themselves. And I do um, prefer to keep the, the take the take the judgment uh, of the experience. The professionals um, are aghast every time that uh, it's suggested by other pol political parties for their own particular purposes that we should crack down on drugs and not give away morphine, the only <laughs> genuinely effective uh, treatment that we have at the moment to the wean people the off drugs. The statistic that really shocked me was obviously um, we have one of the highest drug death rates in, in the world, in Scotland, per, per head of population. Of those drug deaths, 60% were due to heroin, but 30% were actually due to methadone. And dr yeah, the 30% yeah. of the drug deaths in this country last year were due to methadone, because methadone is more harmful than heroin. But the thing is, I mean, if I jump in, the thing is with putting people in prison is that actually, I, 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 might, be, I might stand to be corrected, but my understanding is that the street price is higher than the price in prison of drugs. So, That's true. So, there are so, more drugs yeah. in prison. Yeah, and it's easier to get a hold of drugs in prison yeah. than it is on the street. So, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with this, and I did vote in favour of this motion. I didn't quite realise that it meant that we'd be giving out free heroin on the NHS. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that it can be considered as an option. I'm sorry, Callum, I'll stop teasing you about it. Yes, you uh, better. Uh, no, sorry, I didn't... I, obviously, I, I, no, I was in support of the motion, and I think that it's a good thing. I think that, frankly, throwing people in jail doesn't work, and the Americans have been running an experiment on this for many years, and they've shown that, frankly, all it means is that a lot of vulnerable and poor men end up in jail. I think there's more, I think there's more, if a certain age of black men in America, there's more of them in jail than there are at university. Absolutely, that, yeah. that doesn't, doesn't surprise me yeah. at all, but th you're absolutely right that, that, that uh, putting people in prison, which, I mean, prison wasn't actually even a part of the motion, but it was obviously implied, that prison is one of the best places if you want to get drugs. Prisons are one of the best places to go. It's yeah, so just me look at it. I mean, <coughs> sorry to interrupt you, Robin, but I, yeah. I think that it's also there's two ways of looking at it. You know, yeah, it's okay, the best place to get drugs in prison, but it's also the best place to get support and help and uh, access healthcare. Depends which, people depends who which often prison you go to. It does. To. It depends which prison you go to. But I'm just saying we need to have different approaches to prison as well as to drug treatment. Well, yes, we need a very different approach to prison, yeah. where most of them are like colanders as far as getting drugs into them is concerned. They might just as well sell them with the breakfast. Um, the, the 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 extraordinary thing is that, <coughs> is that um, you can slam somebody into prison where they can get drugs, and it costs three times as much as putting somebody on a drug treatment order, yeah. which would be effective and would probably address um, everything uh, in many people. Um, all their crimes are associated with getting the money to get drugs, and one and you've got to cut that vicious circle I mean, and the, get them the off the drugs. The focus always seems to be that we need to get people off the, off the drugs straight away and we need to stop drugs being available. But that's not how you fix addictions. That's not how you, exactly. you make addicts better. Yeah. You need to, and you need to stabilise them first. And that's what methadone was supposed to do. Methadone was supposed to maybe it's like try and reintegrate them into society, yeah. give them routine. But all that happens is people <coughs> who get methadone still go out and commit crime and mm -hmm. steal stuff to pay for street heroin. Yeah. They still do it. And they just do heroin and, mm -hmm. and methadone. The thing, I mean, the thing I think that frustrates me about drug policy in this country, and this is a purely personal view, so... Let's not take. Um, this is, is that, not the view of the Liberal Democrats. <laughs> is that I mean we think that it's time is. we need to look at another another way of treatment. I mean I would I'm firmly in favour of decriminalising cannabis, and I think we should seriously consider decriminalising a lot of other drugs. Portugal did it ten years ago, and it has worked for Portugal. A lot of the Latin American countries are desperate for people to do it. Colombia and all the ones that produce co cocaine would love America to decriminalise it because then it. <laughs> 
totally removes a huge source of problem for them. And I think it's a serious option that we should be looking at, rather than this prison, that's a good idea, let's lock everyone up, which doesn't I, work. I, I, my favourite argument when you talk to conservatives about drug decriminalisation and, and particularly dimorphine treatment is that if we don't do that, then our drug trade is funding the Taliban. Genuinely. If, if look at it, and I, I saw one study that said that actually Scotland's heroin use provides 2.5% of the Taliban's total income. Really? It's from Scottish heroin sales. Wow. And take, take that thought just one step further. The best way that we could solve Afghanistan's problems would probably be to buy in bulk buy all the heroin. crop. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and if you take... <laughs> yeah, and, and can't wait to see that headline. By the, way, by the <laughs> way, we'll also pay you even more uh, to plant wheat. Right. Um, but, but meanwhile, we'll pay you more than the Taliban does for your, for, for, for your yeah. opium poppies. And that... Yeah. that where would the Taliban get their money yeah. for arms and um, for, uh, we'd, for we'd win the war on terror and the war on drugs in one afternoon exactly yes, sorted I mean, buy them out yeah vote of them <laughs> and to take and to take Robin's point just a one logical oh, green, step further <laughs> take it one logical step further which is a pretty is, I must admit it's really going to be quite a callous thing to say but that means that Scottish people are directly could, you could argue they're responsible for 2.5% of all the British deaths in Afghanistan as well which is a pretty shocking yeah, I mean, I, not not the Scottish people themselves are not directly. No, you know but, what well, I mean. exactly but, but, but that, that, that was getting worried. But, but 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 you're you're right in the sense that 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 we do have. Um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, uh, sort of one step aside responsibility for this. It's it's not mm. it's not something that comes first into people's minds. These mm. connections, but in fact, we do. You're quite the reality right. is there is yeah yeah mm. absolutely. I I think that. Uh, the society does need to sort of take some responsibility for this and realise that this is a societal problem. I mean, Scotland, ha I, I said this in my speech at the weekend, I said that Scotland has a drugs problem. There's no there's no point being about the bush. It's not some Scottish people have a drug problem. Scotland has yeah. a drug problem. I think one of the interesting things about um, crime is that almost all of them are related to drugs. I know it sounds like a bit of a sweeping statement to make, but it, it, it really isn't. Um, Especially if you include alcohol in that. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, yes, it's a huge problem. Our, big, our biggest, by far our biggest problem is alcohol. Substance yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, um, uh, co costs the, the, the country 10 to 20 times more yeah. in terms of, of, of national health treatments, of, if, if, of if damage go to the economy, etc., than, than drugs do. Drug, drug, mm. Drugs, in the sense of that it's usually used, in other words, uh, heroin and can cannabis, are minuscule in their effects compared to the effects of overindulgence in alcohol. If we're going to move on to alcohol, just very, very quickly, I actually want to ask you, Robin, d uh, can you remind me how you voted on the SNP's minimum pricing policy? I we, voted, I we voted for it. You voted for it. Are you, Absolutely. You're in favour of minimum price. Of it, yes. Mm. But because there is a connection between the amount people drink. I... I... Uh, um, <laughs> I, 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 I find that it's easy to drink more than I used to because even the, 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 because the price, comparative price mm -hmm. of alcohol um, is, it's so, it's is, so much cheaper, is actually yes. cheaper. It seems, you know, what are we paying now? £2.70 a pint or something. I used to get it for... £2 a pint in TV, yeah. Oh, yeah, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> One fifty vodka shots at the big yes. cheese on a Saturday night, Robin. So I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it used to, it used to be. Uh, I'm sure Matt's going to make them cheaper, aren't you, Matt? Crown, two shillings and sixpence. Um, what's that about? Uh, mm -hmm. Twenty-five pence. Yeah. Uh, you used to be able to get a half pint and a quarter gill of whiskey. But yeah, quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing but is, that, <coughs> um, that that was a significant fraction of your. Um, Ten shillings a night, <laughs> spending yeah. money. You know, I mean, mi minimum, spending minimum money. pricing is, I think, 
a thorny issue because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I have to say, I'm torn on the issue because I think that there is an argument for increasing the price of cheap alcohol and stopping the flow of cheap alcohol because it is the Tesco value two liter bottles of cider that are fueling our drink problem and the, and the cans of Tesco value lager yeah. and the cheap alcohol. That's the drug problem, and, and it, it's the, the stock argument to minimum pricing is I don't want to pay more for a glass of nice wine, but you won't do that unless you're buying bottles of wine that are two pounds a bottle. Well, I, I think I think to take on that point, a it's not a nice glass of, of wine if you're paying two pounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on, what, <laughs> what do you drink? Right. Okay. So I, I think I think one of the problems as well is that it was kind of illustrated uh, for me through Buckfast because when I worked at the Parliament, I had a meeting with them. Um, civil servants about this because they were trying to outline and, and gather information on, on, on the Scottish government's policy on the issue and they were basically saying that if you you know how loads of people drink Buckfast right and that's always been seen as the kind of like epitome never of touched the stuff. social problem I tried it once and it was actually alright um, <laughs> well um, it tastes like cough syrup so it, it kind of does actually in a strange we'll way kind of black currant cough syrup we'll have it later um, so <laughs> uh, one of the one of the problems was was that actually Buckfast per alcohol content is it costs about as much to get drunk on Buckfast as it does to drink a nice Scotch whiskey, and so by increasing our minimum pricing wouldn't necessarily actually affect the amount of people drinking Buckfast, and therefore we need to recognise mm. that this addiction to alcohol is not really linked to price. It's actually a greater problem of society that we need to tackle in other ways. And I really don't see this kind of like bizarre price tag being put on booze as really affecting. Um, people's behaviour, deeper societal problems, but it definitely will do uh, is make life worse off for students who want to get drunk on a Saturday night and who behave is, responsibly. That is, if, a, if that, 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 that is a great, great quote from the uh, the present elected. There you go. University. That's um, right. Find so your corner, guys. That's me. That's uh, yeah. oh god. Well, we're going <laughs> to go to another song and then we're going to come back and uh, have a little chat to Robin and a chat to Ma- a chat to Matt about their. Uh, their 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 jobs and their their futures. One on his way into politics. One on his way out. Sadly, but oh, uh, oh, don't <laughs> you believe it? <laughs> oh, okay. It'll be, it'll be like Tony Benn. He's retiring. He's retiring to spend more time in politics. Probably, indeed, we're leaving Parliament to spend more time in politics. Yeah, my so favourite phrase at the moment. Uh, yeah. I will. Uh, I'm. This is Biffy Clyro, which is my favourite band. Uh, mm-hmm. With Dire of Always, and uh, I was very pleased Biffy Clyro came up in the pub quiz at Pleasance last night. It's an absolute stormer. But this is uh, Dire of Always by Biffy Clyro. Biffy Clyro with Diary of Always there. That was, uh, that's one of my favourite Biffy Clyro songs. It really, but it's quite a sedate Biffy Clyro song for this time in the morning. Uh, late this afternoon you can hear some of my heavier Biffy collection, I think. Uh, stun the commentary box boys with that. So, um, we are in the presence of elected royalty. Uh, Edinburgh University. Stop talking about Robin. Elected, ro- elected royalty. <laughs> we are, we, we do have elected royalty, use of royalty in the room, but, uh, you know, enough about my victory as welfare convener. Uh, let's. Yeah, I won, by the way, guys. Thank you very much for all. Thank you. Th- thank you. Thank you. Are you now the most senior Lib Dem oh, on user for many years? Like, wouldn't I, be I bloody hard. I, you think know? I, like, I think I am the most senior Lib Dem. Ross, Ross was disappointed. Yeah, yeah Ross. Was he said. He said that if you ever get a sad position, he'll be very upset because he didn't get one. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I obviously I lived in conference this weekend. It was quite fun having cabinet ministers and stuff coming up to me and congratulating. My favourite was, uh, was my, I, I'll quickly do this before I come to you. Um, Malcolm Bruce came up to me in the hotel and shook my hand. First, I've never met this man before. He says, "It is a pleasure to meet a liberal democrat who can still win." Uh, yeah. so that was re- that was really nice. I really liked that. But um, <laughs> yes, we do also have the use of president elect. Uh, in our company. So, Matthew, how, how does it feel to be the president-elect of USA to know that you're going to be the next top dog at Edinburgh University? Um, 
strange. I never really thought about it in that way until kind of after I'd won. Um, it was uh, obviously I was absolutely delighted to win, but I think that as I said throughout the campaign, that whoever won, it would actually be only the start of the real fight and the real campaigning that needed to be done this year. You know, and, and I think that it's very easy to view the end of the election as as being oh thank goodness we can relax, but it's not been like that at all. Um, on the day I. Uh, on the day I was elected, which was the early hours of Friday morning, I left again to go to NUS Scotland Conference in Irvine, in which uh, Edinburgh was, fi- pardon me, <clears throat> in which Edinburgh was fighting its corner and um, uh, and forming our higher education funding strategy for the next uh, f- for the next year. So there's a lot of big awards. things Edinburgh straight away. Won two awards in your Scotland Conference. Yeah, Edinburgh did extremely well. And can I also do a huge shout out to uh, Stevie Wise, who did Edinburgh very very proud. She stood for deputy president. Uh, of NUS Scotland, and she was unfortunately beaten by Graham Kirkpatrick, but she put on yeah. an absolutely extraordinary performance. Ho- she was ho- very good. Hopefully, going to get Stevie on the show in the coming weeks. Uh, yeah, you should. Stevie is a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I really hope she would have won. But she fought an amazing campaign. Yeah, and uh, from what I hear, it wasn't exactly a fair fight. Well, but, uh, that's that's a different issue. Yeah, so I don't think you should really comment on about, that. Let's talk about sort of what you want to get out of your presidency. What sort of Look to look in a year's time, in a year and a bit's time. Yeah. You're you're coming out of office. What do, what do you want your legacy as president to be? Well, I think one of the things that people didn't buy at this election was any kind of suggestion that we could change our local economy to kind of suit students, that we could somehow so where, build the job market as as student politicians. Weren't you the one that said uh, you know you could talk about changing the local economy? Weren't you the one that promised a uh, seven pound fifteen living wage for students? Yeah, no, I think we should be campaigning on that, but that wasn't an issue that or a campaign that we'd be setting up ourselves. And um, that's a campaign that's being run by, I think it's Poverty Alliance. Um, and uh, Maybe Robin can help out on that one. Uh, yeah. Well, indeed. Well, certainly the, 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 the Green Party subscribes to uh, a minimum wage. I think it is uh, uh, in line with the Poverty Alliance, around about seven, eight pounds uh, an hour. Um, I'm now we to, are, having we to hold Robin's microphone so that it's spin round away from um, So we're just fixing the technology. Um, the president elect uh, on, we, we the, on the job. Might be yeah, yeah, we might be in a position in the, in. in the next parliament um, to at least be calling for it more strongly from yeah. a stronger position. Yeah. But don't forget, it's Westminster that sets these things, yeah. not uh, I mean, um, and not the Scottish Parliament. Yeah. We yeah. don't have the power. So, to so, do so, that. so what, 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 what do you see as your big policies that you want to achieve? If you could achieve, well, say, three things. Yeah. What, what, I, what I was saying before we got kind of on, on the minimum wage stuff was that yeah, we, we're not going to make a case to say that we can change the local economy in order to, to fund and, and kind of facilitate students. What we can do is find really good, innovative ways and think of big ideas to make our graduates more employable in an ever-increasing job market when they graduate. And, you know, one of the really fascinating things about this election is that normally it's just fourth years and postgrads worrying about their careers, what they're going to do, where they're going to be financially in five, ten years' time. But this election, it was first years, second years, third years, fourth years, all courses, all subjects, worrying about the future, not really knowing what is installed for them. And I think that, you know, we if there was ever a time to be more ambitious, if there was ever a time to think outside the box and to adopt big ideas and, and view things as big opportunities rather than big challenges. It's now. Now's the time to do that. And, and that's the campaign I run. That was the message I went with. And uh, I, I'm really pleased that, that Edinburgh students agreed with me and want to join me in that. On, just on the use elections, um, we had Andrew Burney on the show two yeah. weeks ago uh, with Alex and I and, uh, and James. Um, I, how wide was your mouth when Andrew Burney lost to Mike Williamson? Hey, listen, like, I, I, you know, I mean, I, th- I think it's no secret that I, I voted for Andrew Burney. He's been a very good friend of mine. Um... And uh, I, I don't know Mike Williamson that well, uh, and 
I think Andrew has done a huge amount of work with USA as a volunteer, as many executive members and student council members Could do, actually. Me? Yeah, like you. But no, but seriously, though, it's a, it is a point. I mean, like as, as you'll know, there was like a negative part in the middle of the campaign in which every single candidate's posters were postered on top of with messages like, you're only in it for yourself, and same old crap, uh, different name, you know, and £21,000 a year, are you worth it? I'm just pointing at um, Matthew. Are you, are you seeing the no swearing side? Well, I'll tell you, that poster said something different on it, it held my tongue. Uh, but, you know, like, I... I um, uh, there, there were really so our show's negative. about to be taken off the air. Yeah, so exactly, I know, jeez. No, but seriously, though... Everyone's talking now about, about, point. How, about how difficult it's going to be for you and Mike Williamson to yeah, work Yeah, I know, I appreciate that's the issue, but I was just going to say that, like, you know, there was really negative middle part of the campaign in which people were criticising students going into student um, politics. And actually, people like Andrew Browning are an absolute tribute um, to, to, all, to all the work that loads of other people do, working all year round for students. I think it's a shame he lost, but I really look forward to working with Mike. He seems like a really decent guy. He's got loads of good ideas. There is far more that we have in common with one another than any other differences that drive us apart, and, yeah. and I look forward to working with him. You, you think he's going to be he's going to be easy to work with when uh, one of the, his colleagues on the slate, while you were giving your victory speech, extending the hand of friendship to defend Edinburgh, which I totally agree with. I yeah. really liked your speech. Yeah. Um, one of his colleagues... We he stood on the election with was shouting personal abuse at you and telling you that they were going to get you out. You really think he's the sort of person you can work with? Well, he, you know, it wasn't him that was doing it. And yeah, you're right to suggest there were people who were growling at me. I saw one guy almost threw his pint glass at me uh, before they were thinking plastic again. Anyway. They were plastic anyway. They were plastic so pint glasses just for me that night. Uh, they were all changed. Glad to hear it. But you know, like, um, but there were also members of that uh, of that group, Defend Edinburgh, people like Kath McMahon, um, people like uh, Mike, people like Grum Smith. Um, who I've respected now for and a long time. And James McCash as well. Yeah, of course, James. Oh, yeah, no, of course. And <laughs> James was, no, but James was um, exceptionally humble and very kind. Uh, he always was throughout the campaign. He certainly was on election night. But these individuals are people I've known and respected for some time now. And, you know, they were standing up applauding. They, they were being, they, they were listening to what I had to say. And there were a few individuals who, who ruined it from everyone else. And those individuals were from their group. But as far as I'm concerned, that's their problem and not mine. Okay, well, that's... Producer President Lake Matthew McPherson. We are going to move now to our weekly music feature, which is uh, something to shout about with our band of the week, uh, unsigned independent band that most people probably haven't heard of that are trying to give a little bit of airplay, and I'll give them some airplay with a different song in the, on the commentary box this afternoon. Um, but this is a band called Make Sparks, called Light in the Sky. Now, I met Make Sparks uh, two years ago at a, a wedding fair that I was working at for my, for my dad, who's a photographer. Um, and they were there under their, the guise of their wedding band, Franco, which is how they make their money. They, uh, they play covers and do really, really good covers. But in their spare time, they are a band called Make Sparks. These guys from Paisley, they're really hardworking. And they, they've had a big year this past year. They're, actually, I am I'm wearing my Tea in the Park t-shirt purely because it has them on the back as having headlined the tea break stage on the Sunday night. So they, they headlined a stage at, uh, at, tea, at tea in the Park this year. At, uh, about a thousand people came to watch them play in this small, this tiny tent. So uh, this is Make Sparks with Light in the Sky, off their Light in the Sky EP. You can find uh, some of their newer songs that I, I don't have on here, um, Question and Answer and Rewind. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify as well. So this is uh, Make Sparks with Light in the Sky, and we'll get come back and see what the panel think. That was Make Sparks with Light in the Sky. 
Um, I, I love that comment from Robin just before we came back. What is it actually about? <laughs> um, it's, about it's about a light in the sky. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Well, that's, um, a, that, that, that's a good theme. Uh, uh, I, think, um, I think in general, it's, uh, as with every song, it's a metaphor for a woman. So, Robin, your opinions of Make Sparks? Um, well, it was easy to listen to. I'll, gi I'll, I'll give it that. If that was on in, <laughs> in a restaurant in the bar, I wouldn't take exception to it. Um, I like the fact that um, it sounded to me very much as if... Um, uh, there was a real guitar as well as an electric guitar yes. uh, being played, um, which I thoroughly approve of. And I could make out some of the words, which is not <laughs> always possible to do. I hope I don't seem too <coughs> supercilious no, about no. this, but, it, you know, it, 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 there's nothing absolutely great about it. I'm not one of these people who say that everything's gone downhill since the Beatles, but I still love listening to the Beatles in a way that very yeah, yeah. few modern writers of songs appeal to me. Okay. Um, Matt, your opinions of Make Sparks? I thought it was smashing. I thought it was really good. Uh, no, I thought it was really, really good. Um, it, this, this may be Robin and I's biggest political disagreement, actually, um, which is that I absolutely loved it. A really nice energy, um, really lovely bright sound, uh, nice crisp sound, um, really good voice from the lead singer. Do you know his name? Uh, Bobby. 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 Singer the Bobby. Bobby Garland. Really and a uh, nice summer tune. I hope it uh, carries its way through the summer months and uh, we all get to listen to it. Wow, Matt uh, making a pitch to be, really a, to be a DJ himself. I'm yeah. sure with that cheese. Yeah. Uh, Alex? Um, I liked it. I thought after the President-elect's resigned an endorsement, perhaps we could see them in TV. No problem. Consider it done. <laughs> see, there's a Sabrina. <laughs> you guys free tonight? <laughs> Let's get, them in, let's get them in TV. Team of the campaigns. Let's get them in TV. <laughs> now, I wanted to speak about Councillor William O'Rourke in Glasgow being sacked over his rape comments. Yeah. Um, during a, a could he possibly be from the Conservative Party? No, he's, no, he's actually not. Really he's, not. Labor, he's a councillor in Glasgow. He oh, couldn't yeah, be sorry. from the Conservative Party. I thought there might no, be one in um, Bearsden. He's yeah, been he's sacked from several anywhere. council positions uh, <laughs> after he. Uh, there was a disciplinary panel into the sacking of a care worker who had uh, who had abused this ch this nine year old child. And William O'Rourke is said to have asked the ch oh, if yes. the child wanted it to happen. Now this comes just a few weeks after Bill Aitken's comments about rape victims, which we discussed on the show when we had Liam Burns on. Liam Burns resoundingly said he has to resign, uh, which we all completely agreed with. But th does the I mean. Uh, this issue, obviously, there's no point even discussing this because we know he should be sacked and he should stand down as a councillor straight away. I don't, he's not fit to represent people. But does this does this represent sort of a worrying trend about views of rape in our, in, in political spheres, Robin? Um, I, I I'm not sure if it's a trend. I think this has been a fact of life um, in, in our society for for for, for many many years. Uh, it's embedded. Um, it, it's just that it's surfacing more, and quite rightly. Um, people are cracking down and saying, no, these attitudes must be challenged. Um, it's still an appallingly low number of, of, of cases of rape that are brought to court are actually successfully pros prosecuted. It's, it's in the, it's, I think it's less than 3%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, and that, it's usually irresponsible for politicians to be discouraging further rate, further yeah. reporting by saying things well, like this. In, 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 indeed, we should, we should be, we have to be pushing things in the opposite direction. Yeah. And if I, if I can co-pack, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that there, there, there is a parallel here between uh, Prince and Andrew's meeting up with this uh, known paedophile. Yeah, no, um, and and, uh, well and thinking that's all right. Um, and uh, what's happened to this Glasgow councillor? And uh, um, before we finished on on that I, th that that section of the interviews, I did want to say that if he had been working for me in my party, he would have been sacked on the spot, or at least uh, put, taken into a quiet room 
and uh, given the opportunity to resign mm. on the spot. Um, but um, in his case, it, 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 like his, um, like, like the Duke of Edinburgh, um, who has said some appallingly racist things, yeah, um, and continues. <clears throat> you see, he he continues to be the Duke of Edinburgh, and um, and Prince Andrew will continue to be Prince Andrew. That's the difference between them and ordinary mortals like ourselves. Yeah, I tell you, <clears throat> Prince, uh, Duke of Edinburgh was. Um, uh, was rude to me. He met me at Edinburgh Uni. Uh, he came to the library, and the <coughs> head of library services knew me and brought him over. And he said, uh, "Hello, you get to hear my uh, Duke of Edinburgh impression now." He Excellent. said, uh, "He said, hello, um, what is it you study?" And I said, "Well, uh, nice to meet you, sir. I study sociology." And he looked at me and he kind of confused. And he said, "Really? Couldn't you think of anything else?" <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of I don't know that's quite funny. <laughs> I that was quite funny. That was quite funny. Yeah. He does have a sense of humour. He humor. does have a sense of humour, and I actually got <laughs> you, myself you have on to a website. React to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I got myself. You just on get my, back at him, you know. Exactly, and I put this on Twitter, and it was retweeted by the Guardian, Edinburgh, and all these other like huge uh, tweet groups. And uh, I, I apparently got put on a website of stupid things that the Duke of Edinburgh says, which I'm sure is an, an ever-growing tribute to his uh, competition to his, between him and George Bush. Exactly probably. his way of life. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of, um, no, but on this quite serious issue, I think that um, I, I actually view these things now as almost, um, uh, sorry, I'm getting back into my election chat as well, and I'm trying really hard not to. It's a terrible <laughs> you don't have to thing. be campaigning anymore. Exactly, no, no I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. No, Callum, the campaign starts voice. now. The, the, exactly. The, the Cruther 2012 campaign did actually start last night. Did it really? <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. it did start last night. So. All right, good. Well, I mean, listen, the, uh, I, I, there, there, it's a terrible thing that would happen. It's a terrible thing that was said. But actually, what it, the, the, the repulsion at which uh, and the quickness at which it was outcasted by uh, mainstream uh, po politicians... And even as group leader. And, uh, yeah, group leaders and stuff, mm. is actually an example, I think, of how far we have come. I and mean, there is still oh, a yes, long way to go. Yes. And I do think it is encouraging, actually, that, that when these kind of things come out, Considering the stuff that you know, men, wh white middle class men used to get away with, you know, um, I think it's just an uh, a, a tribute to how how far we have come on this issue. And um, today is actually International Women's Day as well. Yeah, that's it is, uh, one of those. Yeah, well, the buildings be renamed, haven't they? Yeah, they've got all the buildings mm. renamed, and and obviously. Um, we're having a huge event tonight in the Union. If you're around, please come along. It's in TV Stevie all day. Stevie Wise is DJing for Stevie the Wise is Society. DJing. Um, yes, First our only female DJ in USA is DJing <laughs> the decks tonight. Very good. And I, but I do, I think it's, we really must look at how far we've come. But Robin's right, you know, fewer than 3% of rapes are actually ending up in court in a prosecution. That has to change. And it's attitudes like this which just stand as a roadblock to the reform that we actually need on this issue. Alex, I'll give you maybe 45 seconds That's of this video and then we'll go to another I was going to say very quickly, I think it's actually... <coughs> Not that it should be a competition or anything, but I think this is actually a worse comment than the, the one the Conservative guy made, um, who was Bill Aiken. Yes, that was him. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think I agree with everyone else. And, I mean, I think that it's it's just a problem of, it's, it's just an attitude. I think it's an attitude problem, and it's something that, you know, an, a men's attitude towards women, and it's something that's perhaps symptomatic of, I don't know, that, that sector of society, that demographic, or... Mm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I think, something we have to work on, and it's okay. not it's not acceptable. Um, we're going to play another very, very quick song, and then we'll have about five minutes left, and we'll come back, and we'll chat to Robin Harper about his uh, his future in politics, and how he's resigning to, to spend more time in it, and uh, and his, his illustrious career in the Parliament in five minutes. Um, but this is The Counting Crows with You Can't Count On Me, because it's the shortest song on my playlist.
Welcome back. Um, we have had a phone call in the in the break there. We had a phone call from the guy that's coming on afterwards who is apparently horrifically ill. So uh, we're going to stay on and do an extended soapbox this week, if that's okay with you guys. Um, Ro- Robin has agreed to join us for until quarter past, and Matthew and, and Alex, of course, isn't going to go to his tutorial, and he's going to stay here and, and do it. <laughs> You're do such it. a bad influence. He's going to he's going to do some more of the, uh, more of the show with me and uh, with me, and Matt. But we'll now come to we'll come to Robin Harper now. Now we've got a bit more time with you. We can really go into a bit of depth about about you and you. I mean, how? Well, let's talk about how, how did you how how did you get your your start in politics? Um, I was a modern studies teacher and I was teaching my pupils to think about politics, um, to spot um, fibs and distortions and uh, uh, look at newspapers and how they were uh, biased and uh, to to see through um, the the, the disinformation that they're sometimes fed um, through radio and television and, and, and the newspapers, but at the same time to believe in democracy um, I, I taught that people should always vote, and I did um, explain to them that the job of an MP, we didn't have a Scottish Parliament then, but the job of an M- MP was very, very dedicated, very time-consuming, and that they should respect them, and that they actually were, were paid relatively minor sums um, compared to... Uh, um, what they many of them in any way could earn if they went back to their former jobs yeah. um, you know when you think of it just a little aside uh, bankers now measure their salaries in pms that's in multiples of the prime minister's salary you know <laughs> a ten, okay. 10 pms is yeah. is fairly recent <laughs> i'd say i think you would have made low. an incredibly fun modern studies teacher i think that would have been that would have been great fun um so when did when did you join the green party well this 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 was the thing i'd 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 become increasingly concerned about the environment uh, in the 1970s, uh, I read uh, Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, and there was a book called Future Shock came out. Even helped to make a little television, a five-minute television program that went out on BBC Two on their um, open access program. Um, then Rainbow Warrior was sunk in uh, Auckland Harbour in New Zealand, and I just thought by the French Secret Service, and I just thought there's good guys and bad guys out there, mm. um, and I just happened to have a leaflet that had been given. <laughs> to me by a former guitar pupil of mine that I hadn't seen for uh, 10 years um, in, uh, as I was crossing what was the car park opposite the Appleton Tower one sunny midday having been to the dentist um, at the crucial moment in my life you know the handing was, over this leaflet you can clearly remember it really really well that you're relaying with such yes. detail it's, yeah. it's, very, it's very interesting to hear you talk about it in such uh, affectionate detail so um, how, how does that lead from you just sort of joining on, almost on a well, whim, to with be the leader of the Green Party. Yeah, yeah, I think it was within, a Labour Party leaflet then, Robin. Huh? <laughs> with, within a few weeks of, my, green one, right? of, of <laughs> my responding, because I, I, I joined Greenpeace, the Ecology Party, and Friends of the Earth, I think it was, or WWF, uh, on the same day. Um, I, uh, uh, they wrote back and say, uh, saying, would I like to come to the AGM? And I said, yes. And then they phoned me and said, could we have the AGM at your flat? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then five people turned up. The party only had 30 members in 1985 in Edinburgh. Um, and somebody said, um, would you like to be the convener? <laughs> and I gulped and said, oh, All right. <laughs> And um, I've never looked back. So it was uh, sort of an accidental stumble to the top. Well, in a, in it a was, lot of ways. yes, but it, it, uh, in, in, in a sense, 
that everything was right. You know, my yeah. thinking was right yeah. for it. Um, uh, the weather was right. There was an incident yeah. that inspired me. Um, and the party decided that um, I was somebody that they wanted to... To, to, to use yeah. and then you went into the you went into the first Scottish Parliament elections obviously with the uh, the voting system yes. that, that we have that, def that obviously gave the Greens their first real chance of national representation Indeed. and I, I was actually quite I, I was quietly quite <coughs> confident of getting in I was never going to admit to it but uh, never inside I was um, for the simple reason that I'd scored 10% in the European elections in 1989 I'd averaged 5-7% to 7 in local <coughs> elections that I'd stood in, I'd already, I was experienced I'd stood in 11 elections <coughs> of one kind or another, Westminster local authorities mostly at my own expense um, and I was becoming a known figure in Edinburgh politics because I'd been, you know, these things don't just happen yeah. that was 15 years of very, very hard work yeah. Uh, 14 years, sorry. It's, very, it's, very it's, hard almost, work. it's that sort of hard work in politics that people in, in the Green Party and, and to a lesser extent the Liberal Democrats, that you've got the Labour Party who just sort of appoint special advisors, they become special advisors, they then become MPs and target seats. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder for smaller parties, people, oh, indeed. you know, the Tommy Sheridans of this world, Robin Harpers, the Margaret McDonald's, it's a lot, you have to work a lot harder. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you, you look at the way that, um, and, and we use the same thing of, 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 of uh, at least loosely targeting um, our efforts where we already get reasonable votes but um, it, it took you liberals what in Edinburgh 20 years to get yeah, to absolutely. Pe people elected in, in, in any numbers and that was sheer hard work yeah. um, so how did you feel obviously you were in the first parliament in 1999 you were part of the, the mm -hmm. first group of, of members of the Scottish parliament in, in, in you know centuries how did that feel being being one of that group oh I I, I it, it, it was a, a mixture of sheer absolute joy, um, but also a tremendous sense of of of, of making history in mm. you know in in so many different ways. Um, the, 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 so so many <coughs> first things happening, you know, like um, the first Green Party um, person to officially meet the Queen, you know, <laughs> and bless her, and you know, uh, and. Um, the, the the first Green Party leader um, in a parliament um, because we became an official party when we came back with seven members in uh, in the two thousand. That, that was that was what I was going to sort of skip toward, skip forward four yep. years. You're part of the the biggest group of Green MSPs that have been seen in this country anywhere. Um, it was a it was a momentous election mm -hmm. for for yourselves for but even for for all of the smaller parties because we had. Yep. The, the 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 socialist party the senior citizens unity party there's mm. a, a really wide array of minority parties did you did that give you encouragement did you did you enjoy that parliament maybe more or oh yes <laughs> um, because um, my workload I, I used to jokingly but there was more than a joke in it uh, in the first uh, four years when people asked what I did I said well I'm I suppose I'm the Green Party shadow minister for mm, absolutely everything. Um, <laughs> uh, in the in in the second Parliament, um, my my job went you know the the, the in, in one sense anyway in terms of responsibility for portfolios uh, it went down by six sevenths, but to the work. Um, wasn't any less than, mm. than, than in the first. Uh, and then in 2007, obviously, wasn't such a great election for the minority parties, and you were, in some senses, you possibly felt fortunate to, to hang on when no other party did. You and, and Patrick oh, yes. Harvey being the only, and Margot obviously being I the mean, only independent small parties. If you take a look at that election, 
All the other independents, apart from Margot, who's fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I have a huge respect for her. Um, all of them disappeared. The, the socialists imploded. And we were the only, you know... That, that is a topic the, of discussion for another show. <laughs> yes, uh, that, that we were the... We, we survived. Mm. Um, we were still there. But not only that, we actually increased our... Um, what do you call it? Um, the, the number of uh, elected representatives by three, because we went from seven to ten, because we got five uh, councillors elected in Glasgow and three in Edinburgh. And this is what we've always been wanting to do, to get in, uh, embedded in local politics. Mm. And this was a huge step forward for us. Um, in England, they did it the, the other way around. They had a 100 councillors elected, over a 100, before they got a, a Caroline uh, Lucas elected to the House of Commons. Boy, did, boy, did, they get, boy wow. did they get yeah. Caroline Lucas. Mm. Um, <coughs> so, I mean, you've, you've long been a figure of cross-party respect in the Scottish Parliament. I would say that you were possibly a lot up there with Margot as being the, one of the people that, that politicians have crossed all party divides and just generally people seem you know see you as, as as an edinburgh politician more than a green party politician in some ways a lot of local pe people even if they didn't vote for you relate to you do you mm. find do you find that a burden do you enjoy that or do, I, do you I, feel I, I take it as a huge compliment um but i hope it's partly due to the fact that i do see one's responsibilities once one is elected um, this is how our system works or should work, is that I am responsible, you know, I'm an elected tribune of the people, um, and I'm responsible to everybody um, for, for what I say and do, not just to those people who, who voted for me. Um, I, 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 I had a, a, a wonderful, just totally unexpected moment in the, in the chamber. It was a stage three, which meant that the um, uh, debate for a bill, which meant that, that the chamber was absolutely full. And it was the wildlife bill, which was my last chance to make a speech. And I had to um, uh, confess, not confess, I had to reveal a new interest in the register of interests. There were 41,000 ballot papers uh, uh, returned to the National Trust election for the uh, new 10 trustees on the board. And I got, came in, um, uh, in, the, in, in the top 10. Well, and so I had to say, um, I have to declare an interest, presiding officer. I have been elected to the new board of the National Trust for Scotland. And they all banged their desks. <laughs> Which was, you know, was sort of slightly weeping moment almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just sort of shows the sort of, the, the sort of respect that the, the whole chamber has for you. Well, uh, I, 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 it's, it, it is a burden in the sense that you've got to live up to it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So you're, uh, you're, reti you're retiring I, at this election. Yes. Um, was that a difficult decision? When did you make that decision? I, 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 I made that decision virtually. Um, uh, on the day that I was um, elected for this uh, last four years of the Parliament, I decided I didn't want to stand again. Um, there would have been a temptation because if we get back with a big group and actually go into government, I will be sort of I'll, get a, I'll be a bit wistful about it. I'd <laughs> say, uh, you know, not being in government, not yeah. having a chance of being a minister, and so on. But um, my wife has not seen much of me in the last twelve years. Um, and it's not fair on her. She's she's um, she's retired as well and was looking forward. I was going to retire the year after I was elected to the Parliament. <laughs> she was, you know, the last twelve years. She yeah. sort of rather ex had expected that we would be spending our lives in in quiet retirement instead of it's been a hurly burly of uh, of concentrated activity. Yeah. Um, 
for almost every day of, of the last 12 years. So it's now, been now, absolutely great. Yeah. So now you've, you've obviously you've been elected to the board of the National Trust. Well, that's um, going to be a big job. That's going to be a big job. Yes, what, what else? Is that, is that going to be your political involvement? Well, for the, next, for the next year, um, that, that's going to be my opportunity to, um, to help the National Trust get it back, back, back on its feet in my own way, using what, what I know about education, about uh, sustainability, um, and connecting with people and you know I'll be absolutely at their service um, to use me as they like. I've also been made, uh, I've been asked to become the um, patron of um, the Scottish Children's Play Association and I, that, that's something I'm terribly keen on pr mm -hmm. promoting arts, outdoor activities and play, play opportunities for young people so I'll be working on that. Um, I will be badgering the government about fish stocks and uh, <laughs> taking care of the sea. I'm, I'm sure Patrick Harvey will still, if he, <laughs> if he knows what good, what's good for him, he'll still have you on speed dial. Um, well, <laughs> uh, I, 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 as I say, I'll, I, I will be at the service of the, of the party in terms of uh, assisting in one way or another. And um, there are certain portfolios like uh, the marine portfolio that I don't want to entirely drop. I want to keep... Um, pressing on that and writing articles the, and, and the so other, on. The last, the, sort of the last thing I want to ask you is that uh, we spoke about this briefly in the break, but obviously you, uh, as we were just saying, you are a unifying figure. You have respect across the chamber from all groups of people. Do you feel, so, uh, you know, slightly uneasy about handing over to Patrick Harvey, uh, who is such a uh, really quite a divisive figure? A lot uh, divides opinion. A lot of people love him. A lot of people really don't like him in politics, and that because of he's very outspoken. He has very very strong views. Um, in, in the way you do, I, I, obviously, but I think he's just maybe a little bit better at shouting about them. Do you, Patrick's, do you feel pa pa Patrick's very political, he's very sharp, he's very quick off the mark. Um, he plays politics in a different way to mm. me, but very, very effectively indeed. Um, and uh, I, I'd watched him over the first year of the Parliament, and I, I thought this is time to give Patrick a run um, at, at, at this election rather than because, um, you know, I couldn't have led the party into an election where I wasn't going to be standing mm -hmm. myself. So um, I very happily took that decision um, shortly after being elected in 2007. And um, he has proved to be extremely effective. Um, we, we need to get more political, I think, as a party. Um, you know, parties move on in terms of, of, of public perception. And I'm hoping that... Um, that the perception of green politics and, and of a green leader that, party, that Patrick is successfully putting across is somebody who will um, stick by his principles, um, will have a go at the other parties wherever they are slipping, um, and is, is, is very quick and uh, has considerable political acumen. Okay, well, I mean, I, the folk... <laughs> Sorry, Alex has just decided to die next to them. <laughs> um, that was that was very interesting. Sorry to to Matt and Alex for sort of sidelining you there to have a, a long conversation with uh, with Robin. But I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I speak for everyone here and say that you will be sorely missed in, in Edinburgh politics and in politics as a whole. And uh, you have been. You, I think I think you will go down as one of the the great figures of the of the early Scottish Parliament. I think that people like yourself and Margaret MacDonald and even people like Alex Salmond will go down as people who defined the the start of the Scottish Parliament. I think that's that will be your legacy if I've anything to do with it. Well that's very, very kind of you indeed, Callum. Um but uh, uh <laughs> I'm no deed yet. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we were we were talking we were talking in the break about how um you're, you're following Tony Benn's footsteps and retiring to spend more time in politics. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Which yes. is a fabulous quote and a fabulous book. So, I mean, Matt, what, what, I mean, 
you, have you met Robin? Yeah, before listen, you? I mean, we, Robin and I were just uh, having a wee chat outside there before we were waiting on you, before we went on air, and, and, and uh, I, I wasn't was at Watson's late. in, uh, yeah, you weren't that late, you were a little bit late, no, I'm just kidding, and um, I was at Watson's uh, my whole life, um, from, from five years old, I always remember Robin coming in and talking to us at Assembly, um, and, uh, talking about the importance of not just the Green Party and not just the relevance of having green issues in the heart of our politics, but actually the importance of having politics in the heart of our lives and actually using it as a really um, uh, as a really important uh, as, a, as a really important thing. So really you're just an elected modern studies teacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I do, I do, I always remember Robin coming in and, and we were just sharing outside there one of the stories of he, uh, Robin went to visit a primary, was it a primary two or primary six class? Prim- remember prim- primary six and seven. I primary think, yeah. six and seven class. And he went in there and uh, in recognition of all the visits and all of the, the commitment and all the work he'd done in Edinburgh to help those children, they pretended to have a, a um, this is your life. So when, when he went <laughs> in, he got so sat touching. down and, you know, like they brought a book of, of pictures that they'd done. And, yes. and I think that really, for me, summed up. I heard about that story and I was so happy for him because for me, it summed up exactly what he was uh, to me and to all the other young people I know, which is an extremely committed individual who's uh, far too modest in moments like this and actually uh, will go down in history as being one of the absolute iconic figures which every politician from every political party in Scotland should follow and um, I don't think he's going to go anywhere and uh, Robin Harper this, I, I, this is your life I don't think he's going to go anywhere uh, I certainly hope he doesn't uh, and I look forward to, to working with him in the future um, Alex have you any gushing comments about <laughs> Robin Harper I was, I was going to say actually Robin you might not remember this but you I met you when you were campaigning outside Pollock last year for the general election oh, yes, and yes. I emailed you to say thank you very much because you're the only politician that popped by I mean I know Edinburgh East was a a bit of a safe seat, but we were, I mean, I felt that we were a bit ignored, and I emailed you to say thank you very much, you sent me back a lovely email that I still actually have, so that would oh. be my, and, and I thought you did very, and I was very impressed with you at the um, Hustons as well, I know you weren't, it was, it was your councillor who was marrying the Polish lady, and he was away, but we That's had right, a, yes. it was a good debate, and when it got quite heated at times at the university, there was accusations thrown around, and a bit of mud was slung. I thought you were a very moderating figure, so I was very impressed with you. And I, I mean, I think, and I think the challenge is going to be for the Green Party. I think to pick up on two things, it's going to be challenging for the Green Party too. I mean, obviously they're losing your personal vote, and whenever you lose a personal vote, that is quite a difficult thing. So it'll be a challenge, I think, possibly for them to. But I think they can do it. I mean, I think it's a cause they can do it, especially with the list, the advantage of the list um, election uh, balloting. And I was also going to say. My other comment was going to be, I think you're also, it's interesting to see how the Green Party's now going to, I think for a lot of people they're still associated with the environment, in inverted commas, and it's going to be, I think the next challenge of the Green Party is to become a sort of, uh, you know, um, Nigel Farage says he wants UKIP to be the third party, well, leaving aside the third party, I think there's definitely a space for the Greens to become the fourth party and that's going to be a challenge of but to move the, from the, the environment the party rather well yeah well so, sorry i forget, so forget the way scotland the <laughs> i forget i forget in scotland we've got sorry oh, yeah. this is my london background but you can um, think there's a hardly yeah. figure here at all yeah. no. anyway <laughs> um, but i was going to say i just think it's going to be a very interesting challenge for the green party to see if they can and i think they'll yeah. do it but to move from the environment to a political party of uh good well not of good repute i'm tr- I'm, yeah. I'm losing my words it, <laughs> A political party that stands for a lot of things, uh, stands for everything in everyone's minds, and they can think, welfare, oh, the Greens have a good policy in that, rather than just thinking about the Greens and the environment. I think that'll be a challenge, but I think you've done an admirable job in in at least showing that the Greens are not just about 
you know, uh, hippies with wind farm ideas and stuff. So. The, way, the Robin is wearing an excellent oh, I, multicolored. I yeah, but the scarf, the scarf is, is <laughs> not, <laughs> the, the multicolored scarf is, is an iconic Robin Harper yeah. trademark. Yeah. Anyway, so Doctor Who um, Robin Harper. If, if, uh, if, if, <laughs> just on the theme of the personal vote, if I can put in a plug for Alison Johnston, Councillor Johnston, mm. who's been doing, leading the Green Group on the Edinburgh Council. She is fantastic and uh, she will pick up that personal vote very, very, very quickly indeed. Uh, it's in safe hands. I do, I do. I do genuinely hope so because I think that our party is a better place for having for having the Greens and and all the other minority parties. But in particular, the part the Parliament is a, a better place for having the Green Party in it. Um, so I, well, unfortunately, Robin does have to leave now. But I, we would love to stay and talk to you all day. But uh, we're going to play a song while I, while I show Robin out, and then we're going to come back and we're going to just probably have a wee chat for a wee while just chew, <laughs> chew the fat because we're kind of vamping at this stage here's some tales from the well I would have loved trail. to have stayed but uh, uh, Rob, Robin th- thank you very much for joining it was an absolute pleasure well, it was a pleasure and, for um, me gen- gen- genuine it was a genuine pleasure to, to meet you and, and speak with you this morning um, as a liberal you know as a liberal democrat parliamentary candidate it's an honour to meet uh, an inspirational politician from any party and it was really really great to have you so um thank you very much for coming well, one what one last recollection from when i was rector um the duke of edinburgh uh the first time i met him he was coming to a dinner um uh celebrating his 50 years um uh, as chancellor of the university um there were two things one of the things he he was saying was that uh he was reaching the still period of his life. Um, and when people ask me what I mean by that, I mean that people come up to me and say, still, Duke of Edinburgh, still Chancellor <laughs> of the University. <laughs> uh, the other one was that when he came in, he was introduced to me as the, the, the rector and a member of the Scottish Parliament. He said, oh, well, which party? And I said, Green. And he went, <laughs> <laughs> Green? <coughs> we should all be green. And of course, he was right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and his son, to give his son his credit, his son is Prince Charles. Is doing does seem to be at least doing some good work in that area. Yeah. Oh, um, huge, hu- yeah. hugely good work. Um, Though he does trample in sometimes and cause chaos with some, some <laughs> yeah, comments, yeah. but then that wouldn't be. I think that's a trademark of the royal family. Yeah, so. yeah. it yeah. seems to be. Yes, yeah, except okay. for the Princess Royal, who never puts it wrong. Well, Absolutely, never and, the well, wrong. and of that's course, the, yeah. and of course, the queen. and the Queen. Well, that's yeah. that's. Uh, Funny that the men the men cause chaos the women just (laughs) (laughs) shut up Alex. Um, It's that's unfortunately all we've got time for with Robin Harper, but we will play a song which is Santana and Why Don't You and I uh, featuring Chad Kroger, uh, and we will come back and probably just chew the fat about the use elections. Even though we've got Matt here, so uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back on Fresher.org.uk in about four and a half minutes time. That was Santana with Why Don't You and I featuring Chad Goger from Nickelback. Uh, another great song for first thing in the morning. Uh, unfortunately, Robin Harper has now left us. Um, but one absolute gentleman, an absolute pleasure to have Robin on the show this morning. I did absolutely, I did promise that I would give a plug for his book, which is out now on Amazon, uh, Amazon and Tesco and all other good bookshops. Hopefully, it's called Dear Mr. Harper. You can pick it up now. I know that I'll certainly be running out to get a copy after this because I had no idea this book existed. But uh, which is an absolute travesty. So. Uh, yeah, I would say anyone studying politics, go out and get Dear Mr. Harper. I think it's a f- it'll be a fascinating insight uh, into the first years of the Scottish Parliament, and I certainly will be buying a copy. Now, we do still have Matthew McPherson, uh, you're so president-elect with us, and 
Alex was texting us from. So I'm noting down to my <laughs> dear Mr. Harper, actually. Oh, that's good. That's good. Mm. Um, so yeah, we, we want, I wanted to have a chat with you. Now we've got rid of the uh, the real politician. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. I wanted to have a chat with you about uh, about the use elections. Obviously, we, yeah. had a, we had a brief chat earlier. Now we've got a bit more time. Uh, we'll talk about the elections in general. Uh, obviously, how you think they went. It was, I mean, for my mind, it was a different kind of election because of mm-hmm. the the presence of the defend Edinburgh slate, and yeah. I think that changed the the whole landscape of the election normally it would be labor students in a big group against lots of smaller groups but do you think that i mean it's the same sort of challenge labor students used to have from people on planet except a much much different kind of approach to things do you think that defend edinburgh have now changed the way we do your selections um i think probably have actually yeah um they did do they did do very well um, they, they, they didn't do hugely well. I mean, they, they got they half got, their people. Well, they did. Them. I mean, they did. They got half, but I mean, that's a okay. half that they may not have gotten elected if they just did as individual candidates trying to rally their friends to go out and do leaflets for them. You know, they got behind a shared cause. They um, they they branded well, um, and they they campaigned hard, and and they got they they got uh, as they deserved a good number of seats, and I, I think uh, good on them. You know, they they did well. Mm. Do you think, I mean, on Callum's point, do you think that youth selections have been changed by the presence of Defend Edinburgh, or do you think they've been changed more by the events of this year and the fact that because of what's happened in with the NUS and their campaigns and student tuition fees and, I mean, the the huge publicity that's been given to the student vote, do you, the student cause, do you think that that's going to have changed youth selections more than just Defend Edinburgh? I think both. I mean, you can't pretend that, they're, that it's one or the other. I think what we have seen um, on the first point is that we may, I hope that we haven't, but I'm fearing that we may have seen the party politicisation of youth elections because what that actually does is that if you're either having to choose whether you're with Labour students or the Defend Edinburgh slate or running an anti-establishment, you know, campaign... I don't know, I don't, I don't know, if, that, I don't know if that's the choice, because I... I mean, I didn't run an anti-establishment campaign. Yeah, no, no, but that's no what I'm saying, is that we're not at that stage yet. We're not at that stage yet, but what, I'm keen to stay away from that, because then mm. if you've got, like, a really nice, keen first-year history student who's wanting to run from... campaign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, like, if, you, if, you, if you've got a really nice little first-year wanting to run a, a, a good campaign and they'd be really, really good, you know, possible potential sad material in the next few years you know it's not fair that they should have he's to talking about me align them obviously <laughs> obviously um, Ross, do do. Ross will be <laughs> devastated Ross, Ross he'll be really gutted can't, Ross, can't Ross, do it to him Ross Stocker has said he will be gutted if I get, win a sabbatical well, so uh, that is reason enough but you know <laughs> no, but I, think, but I think it's a serious point you know we, we talk about our, our politics being inclusive being genuine, being new, being representative of the students. We big are elected to represent... Big hand movements to go with their speech. Yeah, big hand movements. So you can't see... Well, this is a great thing about being on radio. I can look like a plonker. It's fine. Um, but, you know, I, I Why think... Why do you think we got you on the radio, man? Exactly. Well, look, I, I, I do. I think it's a real problem because we, we cannot allow ourselves to in, in, enforce people to kind of align themselves to a group and that being the only hope in hell they have of getting elected. Yeah. I don't think that's the case now. I don't. But I, I'm worried, worried we, we could be going down, that, down road. that road. And also what it does is it... Um, and I'm not criticising Defend Edinburgh Slate and I'm not criticising Labour students. I'm just saying that it's something we should all be conscious of and mutually responsible for is that we must make sure we listen to one another support each other when we agree and speak up for it 
and hold people to account when we disagree. And that's the way our politics should work, but what happens in party politics is that doesn't happen at all. We see quite shallow material differences between people and collective ideas and collective groups making collective assumptions and points. And actually, it's not really genuine. And it's actually, and this, this is my key point, it's not representative of any such divisions that exist within the student body. Yeah. You know, there are not Defend Edinburgh students and Matt McPherson students. There aren't. There are people who... No one's a Matt looked, McPherson well, student. Well, yeah, very few. <laughs> Apart from Matt um, McPherson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but you see my point. Yeah, no, I, I totally do see your point. I think you're you're absolutely <clears throat> right that we could see this factionalization. But I mean, the factionalization has existed for a lot. I mean, when was the last time that we had a candidate elected uh, to a sabbatical who wasn't from who wasn't from sort of a huge campaign group for president, for example? I mean, the last presidents we've had, Liz Rawlings, had a massive campaign team. She had the Labour students backing. Well, she, she only did in the last few days of the campaign, remember, following the general meeting in which Laura mm. Jane Baker voted against the um, amendment to um, the Constitution or something uh, something like that. Um, but yeah, the, Nobody cares. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember anymore. Um, but, you know, I mean, she did only in the, have that back in the last few days. And, um, uh, I, and there have been candidates who've done extremely well. Um, it, actually, um, I know that unofficially the Labour students would probably have supported me, but I didn't get you know, substantial help from them throughout the campaign. You know, they didn't form a campaign team. A lot of my campaign team were people who really refreshingly were not really involved in student politics yeah. at all, but who knew me, who knew the work I'd done and believed in me enough to come out and do some leaflets, and that was, it was greatly appreciated. Yeah. I mean, talking about the other candidates, obviously we spoke briefly about uh, the Ack Affairs job yeah. and uh, and Mike Williamson, but uh, we didn't speak about the other two positions. Um, obviously, Philippa Faulkner, elected Vice President Services, and Emma Meehan, elected Vice President Size and Activity, and obviously Emma was the Labour students' candidate. And uh, some would say that they, the, the reason the Labour students didn't come out for you is because they voted for Emma. Well, I mean, that was their choice. I mean, and also the thing is, right, is that actually um, it, it is a real choice for them because it's the same individuals involved in, in, in Labour students, and they obviously have to, they can't split their time 50-50. You know, they have to get behind a candidate. But also, it's not really party political to support someone who you know. You know, Emma's really involved in Labour students. She went out campaigning every day during the general election, which I actually say good honour for. You know, there's a lot of people in this election who talked about being anti-cuts and being anti-conservative government. There were very few people who actually went out and campaigned for it last May. She did, Mm -hmm. right, to her credit. And she has a lot of friends in Labour students. A lot of those friends were at Edinburgh Uni. And they wanted her to win and they got behind her. So, you know, you can label it as a Labour students campaign, but I view it as a bunch of friends and, and political activists who, just like Defend Edinburgh, thought, let's get behind yeah. our shared candidate. So yeah. did you did you, did you you vote for Emma Meehan? Um, I think that's the... I don't want to answer that question um, because uh, she was extremely supportive of me during my campaign. I think I may have just put me in a difficult but position. I, yeah, you have. Can you tell? <laughs> Can you tell? Oh, no, I mean, I... I, I you hear the door shut in a minute, that'll be me I, I think Emma Meehan will do, I, I do a great job. I mean, coming on to Philippa Faulkner. Yeah, but you know why I'm not answering yeah. that question, don't you? So I, I, I do know why I'm very good friends with Harriet Page and very good friends with Emma Meehan. And, and, and Harriet Page was, was a big difficult. part of your campaign team. It was so. very difficult for me to actually say. And so yeah. I, sp- I had word with them privately. 
is that you guys support who you want to support for president, but I'm going to have to keep my opinion on who I wanted to win VPSA to myself. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I hope campaign. that position is respected. Harry was a big part of your campaign team and a good friend of yours, and I don't think anyone could criticise you well, for, she wasn't for supporting really, her. She wasn't really a part of my campaign team. She, was, she was for a while. I mean, I, Harry Page? Yeah, she, she, was, she wasn't. She was out with you quite a bit. She wasn't. She, wasn't. she never came out with me once. Oh, okay. No, and, 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 and I, I'm, I'm not I saying I actually, together. I'm not saying I actually supported Harry Page. Okay, that's fine. No. That's fine. We can dodge that. Matt she voted tweeted Ron. Yeah, I voted Ron. Yeah. Ron, the no, I think actually, there we go. Ron. Um, flushed exactly. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm not, I'm Ron mean, had we, a horse festival instead on, of a manifesto. On, on, on I did think. I did think Ron had a brilliant policy, which is there needs to be more hay at Haymarket. I did think that. I think that's on on yeah, vice president point. services, I think it's it's very clear that Matt voted for Jacob Bloomfield. Yeah, obviously. As, as everyone, there is a severe lack and chronic decline of koi ponds across Edinburgh University campuses, and I think turning. TV it into a koala refuge would actually be pretty good. And I, I really liked his realistic promises on uh, on reducing polar bear attacks. He wasn't pointing to saying he would eradicate them. He just said he would cut by twenty five percent. I think it is, actually, promises. It, is, it is quite a serious point, isn't it? Like there's a lot of students that make false promises during elections, uh, and, I, and it's I, great I actually, that we saw a candidate who yeah. genuinely came out and. Uh, and, and, and believed in something and fought for it. I, re- I really liked what Jacob Bloomfield actually stood for. And I think he did stand for something quite serious, which is the point that you've just raised. I think he did stand for... He was... It was sort of a holding a mirror to candidates who stand, who stand there and say, you know, I'm going to uh, eradicate international student fees or I'm going to wipe out student debt. You know, the promise, the, the huge sweeping promises that have happened. Less so in this election because of the climate they're in. But I think he was sort of holding up a mirror to that promise culture of student politics. And yeah, I think maybe that so. was quite interesting. I hadn't looked into it that far. I was just too busy looking at his shoes during the presidential debate. And he was one of only two candidates to uh, use A3 posters as flyers. I really liked that. Yeah, that was really cool. Oh, really cool. I, I must Didn't admit, work for my opponent. Can I say something about flyers here? I think this year has been some very innovative flyers. Because, I mean, I saw some of yours were in uh, the, um, the bunker, which is Hugh Robson. You had the little... It was a little vote for... I can't remember what it said now, but it was yeah, sort it was of strips, in the... Yeah, it was the strips. strips. And I yeah. thought there's been some... I thought there's obviously been... This year, obviously, the theme of this year was let's see how small we can get our leaflets. Because yeah. M- McCash had some that were... And Emma and me, and especially were pioneers in this, and they seem to go, you know, Matt, Matt a race these as well, though. Yeah, no, no, Matt as well, t- but little, little tiny. But fire. it seems to be not a, a race to the bottom in an entirely different way because that's not. So I mean, I thought race to the smallest. Leaflet. Yes, a race to the smallest leaflet, and so I thought that was an interesting. It was some good campaign ideas, and I think it's, I think it shows that because I mean, uh, you can put up as many posters as you want, but posters. Mm, I, I understand why, but I think posters don't win you elections, and I, I'm, I'm pretty. I mean, and people were saying they look like a mess, and they do look like a mess after a couple of yeah. days, especially, I mean, the weather didn't help, but I think it's good that there's some, it obviously shows that people are thinking about it, and obviously interested in thinking of new and different ways to get elected, and I think that'll be, be interesting to see what happens yeah. next year if we go back to just posters and a... Well, I, the, the big question is, the big question yeah. is, have you seen Ross Stalker's pie charts? Uh, yes, I have seen Ross Stalker's pie charts. <laughs> so what, what do you think of the makeup of the student council? I think, given I Ross, think Ross needs pie to get on with his life and not make pie charts about youth elections. Um, <laughs> he was I'm, actually also writing his tabloid for well, uh, his his council by election at the same time. If you're, Ross listening, Stalker, if you're listening if in you're Paisley, listening, vote for Ross. Yeah, exactly. If you're Ross Stalker, you know that I love you dearly, and you've been a very good friend to me for the last couple of years. But please stop making pie charts about youth elections. See the world. Do something exciting. Sell all your stuff and move to France. Just do something different, right? <laughs> do, Don't yeah. make pie charts about you selections. Thank okay. you. That's, that, <laughs> that's that it. Is, that's your first address. That is a public service that's announcement <laughs> to Ross Stocker. That's right. From the new president. Um, 
Yeah, so um, obviously Philippa Faulkner was elected. Philippa, possibly the most independent candidate of the four sides, would you say? Um, interesting point, actually, and it's, I suppose it depends how you use the word independent. I mean, I think Philippa was certainly the most experienced. Um, in She'd done a huge amount of good work uh, that went under the radar, one of which was trying to secure with Virgin Trains and with, G- sorry, I was going to say GNER, National Express Service Trains, to London to bulk buy tickets for students so that they could... Uh, travel cheaper back home during the yeah. summer and stuff like that. So like, she'd done a huge amount of good work over the year, and I think her experience and her substance and depth showed during the election campaign. Um, so I, I think she did very well, uh, as, as you'll know. Um, and and I, w- I think there's there's no one better than, than kind of Philippa to take on that kind of position and to take really strategic, difficult decisions head on and, and be honest with people yeah. about it. Be realistic that you actually can't have cheaper drink without having less representation but or what fewer were the services. Fork about? What were the what? Yeah. What were the, the fork? fork worked. Like oh. it was a huge gamble, guys. I mean, you're, Come you're on, a, you are absolutely. She's right. the one it was saying a gamble. Was a gamble. Select, it was right? a gamble. Get, it was a serious was gamble. To our credit, right. you are absolutely right that it got people talking <clears> about it, and even exactly. if it was a negative. Mm-hmm. Terms, it made her a topic of exactly. conversation. Exactly, they were talking about her right. posters, and they weren't talking about anyone else's, right? Because no one else had and, posters. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she did get in there incredibly early, which yeah. is not not a not. And a of course, neg- and th- you know, this talking about the VPS thing. race brings us on to one of the big issues of the election campaign, which was Ashley Hunt's lamina- lamination of her posters. Oh, it was a controversial one. That was um, it was it, it, it was actually ridiculously controversial. On the uh, on the gossip <laughs> blogs, but Ashley Hunt so lamented about four people then. Yeah, I, it's it's funny now actually to look back at you, Salicious, and work out uh, who were all the anonymous posters. I can tell you who Andrew Burney was, but I can tell you that later. Right, I okay. can tell you which one I was. I'll tell you that later <coughs> as well. Um, I'll, we'll figure out what Matt was. Um, <laughs> I right. Well, Matt was like used I, to vicious. Of, wasn't I, obviously, he? I was used to vicious. You know, <laughs> no, there were these really bizarre rumors flying around, and actually quite serious vicious, accusations yeah. that I was running this to anyone listening who isn't a complete hack. Uh, so to both of you out there who aren't complete hacks, and. Um, I was I I was a, I was quite quite personally accused of running this negative blog use vicious, um because I think I didn't do myself any favors by this and I regret doing it. But on the day I found it, there was an article about me and an article about McCash. This was well before nominations had even opened for president, and it was really really funny. And it was basically completely taking the piss out of me and McCash, and uh, obviously identifying us as the presidential frontrunners in the campaign. And I posted it to my Facebook because I thought it was actually really funny. And it was really funny. They Googled my name, found a 25-year-old actor from London called Matt McPherson and thought, oh, this yeah. must be him, you know. Just ran this funny campaign about him. Um, and, and I thought it was good. But then it did kind of create a kind of sombre undercurrent throughout the campaign. Um, just to clarify, I was not use of vicious. So oh, you, weren't, you weren't the new Harry Cole? I did not have time. I don't know. I, I was going to say, I didn't have time you, the use of vicious didn't post that much. So, uh, no, it, it kind of fell flat. I it mean, kind of fell flat. It w- got bored. Yeah. It became too political. And it, it became too funny. ranty and yeah. sweary as well. I yeah. mean, yeah. It if it had just been funny, it would have been all right, but yeah. That, yeah, no, that one you said, I read the one you said about you, where you were the 25-year-old um, It was disappointing, but it disappeared. But after that, it went Yeah. So, I mean, we have a new student council that's coming, obviously. Um, it's. I think it's a very interesting makeup of student council. One of the big, uh, I mean, this is getting into sort of you, you, maybe a bit incredibly hacky. It is a little bit, but I mean, the the huge reopen nominations vote, which mm. was unprecedented in in US elections. I mean, it, it was epitomised by the undergrad school rep election, which had I think over twenty candidates. 
um, maybe 23, 24 candidates for 10 positions. And Ron actually came second, out of, apart from the ones that were taken out because they'd won elsewhere, people like Emma Meehan. Yeah, and remember, only the only one who won was, was James, James McCash. McCash. He'd, of course, but won a presidential only because campaign. He, yeah, because he'd run a yeah. hugely high-visibility yeah. presidential campaign. But... Um, Ron came second, so nine of these seats weren't filled. The, the student population, out of those maybe 20 candidates, saw only one of them that they thought was fit to be elected to the, I, the undergrad. I disagree with that because I actually, I completely believe in Ron. I voted for it, I argued against it to be put on our ballot papers. I believe it's democratic. I believe that Ron gives people who don't have an opponent the mandate to actually be in governance of what we do. And I think, yeah. so I do think Ron is actually very important. Um, however, it was the same 200 people running through every single election. It didn't matter whether candidates had a statement or a picture, there were always 200 Rons. It didn't matter if there were seven presidential candidates, surely one of us must be all right for you, better than nothing. But yet, there were, you know, the same number of Rons. There were, there I were, honestly there were always think, sort of between, between sort of 100 and 200 for every think, position. I honestly think we can't view it as anything more than a few hundred people who thought it'd be funny to literally Ron every single person down the ballot I paper. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know, I, I don't think that's true at all, because I, 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 I mean, I... I, I ronned a couple of races. I ronned, in, in, I ronned, yeah. uh, at least I ronned uh, some individual candidates who, uh, some, who were standing unopposed because I didn't think they had a strong enough manifesto. Yeah. I, ron yeah. I ronned a couple of races where I thought that, that the, there were a number of candidates and I thought they were all weak. I don't think it was purely a protest. Well, I voted wrong when I didn't think there was a, a suitable candidate and I think there will be a lot of people who did the same. I, I, c I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly why we should have Ron. I think there were, there were probably, yeah, Ron probably was used to make sure that, you know, there were better candidates and that those positions genuinely should have been reopened at the next election. But my point is, is that there was such a high number and it is no... Now remember, we had Rons last year at the election. There was no... There were hardly... Uh, Hugh Murdoch got 199 Rons. That was by far... The highest and that number was talked of about all year is being. It was talked about all on. year. He didn't even have a manifesto. Um, <clears throat> now uh, that's obviously changed this year. But you know, my point yeah, is, Hugh Murdoch is now that, has a manifesto. Yeah, the, did he run for SRC editor last year? He didn't. Yeah. Did he not have a manifesto? No, I oh think he, he either had a manifesto and no picture, or he had a picture and no manifesto. I think. He, my I point think, yeah, is, yeah, no, is I that people who didn't know him, who didn't know how capable and how good he was, and all the work he'd done may have just gone on and saw, this guy obviously didn't put on a statement, I'll run him, right? Which is fair enough, but my point is, is that it's no coincidence that someone runs, uh, someone runs a Facebook campaign trying to get Ron elected, which becomes hugely popular. And remember, yeah. me and McCash had about 500 people on our Facebook group wanting us to be president. Ron the horse had about one and a half thousand after being up for just a few days. Now, obviously, I'm just saying it's no yeah. coincidence that there was a significantly high number of runs across every single election at the time in which a run campaign was run on Facebook. And I'm not saying we shouldn't learn from it. There is so much more we can do to engage with our student body, to make sure that um, that uh, people pe there's, a, there's a dialogue, not just at elections, but all year round, that USA communicates the great work that it does to the students it represents. There's far more we can do on that. But I really do... Um, I don't accept that that people genuinely felt that there were no undergrad reps that, that, that they wanted to elect rather than, the, rather than no one. As, no, as the only non, as the only person who's not <laughs> ever stood for youth selection and does not hold a youth office here, can I comment as the outsider? Yeah. Which is going to be, but obviously I'm not totally outsider because I have, he does date I, the I do the follow, student. and I do follow the youth policies yeah. more than most students. Probably, he but, dates the editor of the student. <clears> so all right, Callum, I date the editor of so the student. So he obviously hates you, sir. I do not hate you, sir. That's, no, I'm going to say By that I think, I think, I think Matt's made some interesting points. I think, <laughs> 
I'm going to pick up on two comments he made, which is one, he said, Philippa Faulkner has a lot of good work under the radar. And I think that's the problem. And it's not... I'm not... This is going to be difficult. I'm not saying that Euster is bad. What I'm going to say is I think they are bad at one thing, and that's communicating to the student body yeah, no, what they that's do. A, that's, yeah. that's and I think the problem is... No, no, and I know you've both said it, <clears throat> and I think the problem is is that... <clears throat> The reason there was a lot of runs is, yes, there was a Facebook campaign, um, but obviously, I mean... Which was genuinely funny. Yeah, but, but had, but also, I think, I think what we should <coughs> take heart from is that had everyone on Facebook who said they were going to vote Ron, voted Ron for president, we might not actually have a president. We wouldn't have a president. No, we wouldn't have no. a president, but, you know, if you have a car advert on TV, not everyone who watches it yeah, is no, going to no, buy no, a car, but true. some of them will. No, no, you know, no, totally and that's how adverts work, yeah. and that's what the wrong campaign is. I totally agree, but what I'm trying to say is... I I agree with Alex in what he says that you say is bad at communicating, and that was, I mean... I, I, when I was going around my election campaign, I spent a lot of time talking to people. And when, you know, when I got into long conversation with people, and I, as I did quite a lot, a lot of people were quite keen to chat for quite a while. And I would say to them, look, I mean, <coughs> our four sabbaticals, you, you'll know their faces because it's on a six foot poster in Potterow, which is a rubbish idea, by the way. Put the email addresses on next time, please. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you know, you know who they are. They get 21 grand a year each. What have, you know? Can you tell me what they've done for you? And so many people. I mean, actually, the most common things were put a sweet shop in that nobody wanted. People's words, not mine. That was a, biz- a slightly and annoy people. Decision. Annoy people about the graduation ball. Those were the two well, most common things that I got. I think, and that's that's not you. That's yeah. not the fault of you. So not doing anything. Yeah, it's the fault of you. So actually, maybe being too modest about it. And I think that's why you saw so many anti some anti-establishment candidates this year. I mean, I think because there is definitely use is regarded and. I, this is not fair, probably not fair on you, sir, but it is regarded among quite a, a section of the student population who are... There is obviously a section, like in any a section of the electorate, who just are not interested. And I think you have to accept that. But there's also another section of the population of the student, of the student body here which just thinks, oh, you, sir, all they do... It's all full of labour hacks. Um, all they do is just... It's all full of people who just want a safe job and they're all going to leave um, you, sir, and just go into politics and they'll all end up in their safe... Uh, party seats. And I think there is that disconnect because I think the problem is is that USA does a lot of good work but the trouble is it's very I mean this is and this is a problem faced by major political parties in this country is that there is, seems to be a, there is no I don't know. It seems that students don't understand what used to do on the ground small things to change them. All they see is the big campaigns like USA's going to stop tuition fees. Now that's not what USA's campaign was but you know it, it if you were just sort of took a vague interest, it might have seemed that USA's campaign was we're going to single-handedly prevent tuition fees, which is not, okay. which is unfair to everyone involved. But I think they need to. I mean, I'd say definitely you should. I'd be keen to see more use of like this is the small, you know, five things we've done this week yeah, to improve no, your I, university. I, I, I couldn't and I mean, agree yeah. more. I couldn't okay. agree more. My, one of my manifesto I'm commitments. Keen, I'm glad to see that. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I, you're absolutely spot on. You still, there's a huge amount of work there. One of my manifesto commitments was to make a short two-minute video from me and all the other SABs every week that'll go on YouTube and go on Facebook about the kind of things we've been up to. I hope that goes some way in doing that. As a former student council editor... I saw how hard it was to communicate the work of what we do to people who actually often, um, who should, who do care about the issues, but who if you go up to them and say, can I talk to you about student council, they're probably not that interested. And that's a challenge that we have to overcome. It is relevant to people's lives. Students are not only relevant to USA, but are the heart of everything it does. And I think that there is a greater dialogue that needs to take place. And I hope my video that I do each week is going to do that. Okay, well, we've been talking about that for nearly 25 minutes now. So we're going to gonna go to another song. And then we're is anyone still there? I have no idea. Anyone still Hello? listening? No, can you tweet me if you are listening? Matt McPee. 
um, <laughs> and I look forward to receiving absolutely no tweets. Um, um, we're going to play another song. I'm going to play another song by this week's band of the week, uh, Make Sparks, and this is a, a slightly different song from the first one we heard. It's called Sleeping On It. It's from the same EP, uh, and we'll play that, and then we'll come back and we'll chat about something, whatever we can be, but we'll, we'll think about it while this song's going on, and we'll maybe, hopefully, we'll think of something to talk about. So this is Make Sparks with Sleeping On It. Hello, you were back on the soapbox on freshair.org.uk. Unfortunately, uh, we managed to talk about more use of politics during the, the break and didn't come up with a topic to talk about for the last 10 minutes. So we're probably going to have to talk about USA again. Well, why don't, we, why don't we talk about an issue that actually affects students? What affects students? Uh, higher education funding. I had a debate, an argument, with a drunken argument. Oh, yeah, tell us about your you, had a, you had an argument with a drunk? With Stevie Wise. Oh, with Stevie Wise. <laughs> oh, same thing, that's I was, fine. I was going to say, yeah. she was being a drunk. Yeah. Um, no, um, I was out last night with Tom Cruther and, uh, and Stevie Wise. Uh, we went to my mate's house party after going to the pub quiz. And about two in the morning, Tom Cruther had wandered off by this point. He left. Um, Stevie and I, for about an hour, had a... a kind of shouting match in the kitchen about higher education funding mm. and about sort of the way that, that, that the liberal youth had campaigned on tuition fees and the way that USA had campaigned tuition fees. You know, her, she was arguing very vociferously that the public campaign that USA ran was, uh, was most effective and that the Liberal Democrat youth should have run a, a, a name and shame campaign as well and that sort of thing would have, would have had a bigger impact. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, right to Mike did win. Best, best right to Mike won at NUS Scotland Conference this weekend, which I was at. The best campaign. Mike Crocker, any Mike Crocker actually genuinely said to say congratulations. Yeah, yeah. and, and well, he, because uh, Ross and I met him on Saturday at conference, and oh, we cool. told him about it, and he was, uh, he was bashly, not, he wasn't bashly proud, but he was, I think, bashly sort of respectful that it had done so well and that it'd been a. Yeah, I and mean, he said, like, and he was actually said it was a very good campaign. It was very positive until the impersonation, at which point it all went a bit downhill. Yeah, I mean, that, no, I mean, that, I don't, that don't was, know what was behind that. that was, I, mean, uh, I mean, that was that was that was just a mistake on the part of a national radio station, which got picked up upon and actually just caused complete chaos. And it it did it messed up everything, and it messed up everyone's strategies, and it meant that everything went into meltdown because people thought Mike Crocker was coming out, and then Yusa started congratulating him on, on coming out again yeah. and saying he was going to resign. I mean, just resign. FYI for anyone uh, who doesn't know what we were talking about. Um, which is probably everyone. Um, Mike Crockhart uh, is the MP, Liberal Democrat MP in Edinburgh for Edinburgh West, um, my home constituency, bigging up all those in Christorfin listening today. Um, and he there was three in people listening. The, I think probably probably, there, there was, um, yeah, there was. Uh, he was a government minister for the Lib Dems. Was that, he was a parliamentary government secretary, an unpaid government. Unpaid, job. and he was coming out. Um, either he, well, he was tied on being voting for tuition fees or, or, or vo- sorry, voting for the government's education funding strategy or against it. And due to a campaign uh, run by USA, he voted against it and resigned from government. And I think that was I, I you see I, I accept that you had a huge impact on it and, and made him feel yeah and liberated enough to come out that the students would back him but I think a lot of I genuinely I think I mean Mike Crockett was always going to resign we knew that Mike Why? because well I, yeah, we didn't know that well I knew that Liz Rawlings knew that Stevie Wise knew that because he said that very early on that he was going to resign well, the problem was that he wanted to do it on his time and Yusa didn't Yusa didn't appre- I mean I can totally see Yusa's point of view that they didn't want him waiting until the last minute well, I don't him- understand this kind of like why why be so political about it I mean you go into politics you know claiming to run on values and things that you believe in blah 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 and um, there's a big issue that comes up 
students who voted for you and campaigned for you need you at this moment in time to really step up to the mark, to stand up, make your voice heard, and then he wivels and waffles for a few weeks until he eventually gives in. And, you know, I kind of think, well, you know, he d- I think we did do well, and he seems like, from what I've heard, is he- he's done a lot of good work, and, and you know, I- I'm not criticising him personally, but what I am criticising is that viewpoint that it's acceptable for him to have divulged on the issue for so long. I have to um, admit, I entirely agree with Matt. Yeah. yeah no, I, think, I, I, think, I probably I think, do as yeah, well. And I think, yeah, he should have come out and... I mean, it was a bit of... Regardless of where you stand on higher education funding, the whole thing was a bit of a sorry mess. And this is speaking as a Lib Dem. It was a bit of a sorry mess. I mean, candidates were saying in March, when they have been told by central office to sign the pledge, they were saying, this isn't a good idea. And I know candidates who were on the phone central office very, very reluctant to sign the pledge. I mean, that's not... That's yeah, not we, a reason we probably for them. know who that candidate is. That's not a reason for them screwing over. That's not a reason for them screwing over students. But I think it was very badly handled, and I think I was deeply disappointed and embarrassed, really, to be a Lib Dem and to have to go through that. And I think, as a party, we're going to have to grow up pretty fast. I, I mean, I mean, the Liberal Democrats have come out this weekend on Scottish higher education policy and said that they will support no fees, no graduates. Well, tax. yeah, but uh, Tavis Scott also said that he was willing to sacrifice the bus pass and free prescription. No, 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 no. For, he was he was he was happy that. to roll back the universality of those of those of those well, schemes. I'm I'm just I'm just saying that I think that you know universal free higher education I, is more important than universal free prescriptions. Well, you might say so, but I mean the I mean that's not the debate I wanted to have. I mean I think that the I think the it's my show. You're the, the debate I want to have. Oh, jeez, all right. <laughs> Hands cracking the whip. I really yeah, exactly. Am. Um, well, I mean, I think I think the point was was that the really damaging part of this whole experience of the whole breaking the pledge thing was that it didn't just diffuse or implode the Liberal Democrats' support base amongst students. What it actually did was far more damaging than that. It actually lost people's faith in politics at all. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that, and that, I think people, that's, people that's so sad. Clegg. People voted for Nick Clegg in the general election because they thought he was an anti-establishment vote. Well, I mean, not just that. He promised to vote against fees. Yeah. And, and he, you know, I the just, Liberal Democrats were the, last, were the last party that could, with any sort of integrity, criticise Labour or the Conservatives yeah. on broken promises. Yeah. And we now don't have that. We can yeah. no longer criticise people on broken promises. Yeah. But I... Well, but, you can. Everyone to, else does. But to the same... I to, but, but I mean, I will criticise other parties... On broken promises without acknowledging the broken promises of my party. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I will not take lectures on breaking promises and tuition fees from the Labour Party. I will take constructive approaches mm-hmm. and negotiate and saying, and constructive approaches and yeah, alternatives. I'm not saying the Lib Dems are the only to blame, but I'm just saying it did completely encapture a really, really negative undercurrent of which our had, politics yeah, now. Which, and, and the whole election campaign had been largely, there was a large part was built around let's move on from the expenses scandal <laughs> and let's elect. Let's elect MPs. New for politics. Not, yeah, new <laughs> politics, new start, and then, and and the Lib Dems were the forefront of this because we had a lot to gain from it, and then we kind of went and shot ourselves in the foot. We did. It, it was an absolute. Di- it, and the, th- the thing was as well that it was an absolute PR disaster oh, because, yeah. I, I, as a Liberal Democrat, as a Liberal Democrat candidate, I did not know from day to day what was happening. I, I, as a Liberal Democrat member, as a, as a, a Liberal Democrat student leader, I had no idea what our party was going to do day yeah. to day, and I was constantly on the phone with with Alistair Carmichael, with uh, with Jenny Standing in our press office. I, I worked with Jenny Standing in our press office, and there were points when she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know what was happening down south. The, you know, they weren't speaking to the Scottish Party. I think that 
genuinely, the UK Liberal Democrats did not appreciate the impact on Scotland. I think the UK Liberal Democrats concentrated probably well, quite put people like Tavi Scott in an awkward position absolutely there, politically. Yeah. I mean you know like I, I was I, I, sorry I've mentioned four times have I mentioned I was at NUS Scotland conference <laughs> this weekend just to anyone listening uh, I was um, in Irvine and uh, you can Cost- stop at this video Costa del Irvine um, it wasn't very sunny um, and uh, the um, the, the, the video, video that was shown yeah the video that was shown was uh, Tavi Scott um, uh, talking about how he was supporting students and it just suddenly made me think then Wow, like what a difficult position he's now in politically to, to have to kind of make promises. Got, to yeah. You do have to, have to feel quite sorry for Tavi Scott because this is yeah. this is a situation entirely not of his, his own making. Yeah. And this if he had point. had his way, this wouldn't have happened, and it has yeah. really put a noose around his neck for these elections. <clears throat> and it is nothing to do with him, and there's nothing he can do to change it. Really, there is a very very little he can do to shake off the UK tuition fee debacle as an issue that will hang around his party's neck. And no matter what he does, and this is the point that we can promise free education all he wa- all he likes. And stand, yeah. you know, we can look. Yeah. We can. We don't even just have to promise it. We can say we scrap tuition fees in Scotland. People don't care. People only yeah. care what's happening down south. And this is the point that Mike Pringle made when he spoke at the um, the uh, rally outside the Scottish Parliament. He said, he said they're not. He said that um, the the UK wide party expects the Scottish Lib Dems to toe the line. But then when it comes to the something. You know, they, they, they will they will expect the Scottish Lib Dems to preach the policy that they're doing and they don't do it the other way around. Okay, well, I mean, we are we are going to have to wrap up because it is getting uh, very close to the end of 12... It's getting very close to 12 o'clock and I have a 10 past 12 tutorial, uh, which I may or may not go to. We'll see how that goes. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a really, really great show today. I've actually really enjoyed it. It's probably been one of my favourite shows so far. I mean, Robin was an absolute gentleman, a fantastic guest to have on for the first hour. Uh, Matt McPherson has been a stalwart here for the last two hours, and he's, <laughs> it's been incredible. It's been really great having Matt on with, with for our news review uh, at the first hour, and obviously our, our interview with him later on, and, and talking about uh, you know the few, what will be the, the defining issue of this election, which is higher education funding. Um, so it's been a really good show. Thank you very much for coming, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, you're welcome. I've really enjoyed it. I heard a lot about Fresh Air. It's nice to get involved in what you guys do. Um, I think it's really important, as we were talking about earlier, to communicate the work of you so with students. I'll be happy to come on again um, maybe talk about less political issues and issues that actually really do have an everyday impact on students' yeah. lives. I look very much forward to doing that in the next few weeks. Okay. And of course as always on my right we have had Alex Paul <laughs> Thanks Callum, no it's worries. Been, it's been great to have you here again. Uh, be sure to tune in at 4 o'clock in just just 4 hours time uh, I'll be on with, uh, as always Amo Armstrong will be here giving his wonderful insights into uh, the, the week in football and uh, we'll also be joined by the return of Matthew Holroyd and Will Weston so please do join us for the commentary box uh, we're going to go out with my USA, my USA election song from my video which was Bon Jovi with What Do You Got I'm sure you all watched it on YouTube uh, it's just gone noon, thank you very much for listening to the commentary box, I've been Callum Leslie, have a good day